Hello, welcome to the Healthcare Manifesto. This is podcast number two. The Healthcare Manifesto podcast are intended to explain the broken U.S. healthcare system and to argue that to fix it, we need to adopt a system of universal health care. My name is Mark Ravis, and I'm honored to be your host. In the last podcast, we discussed how our system of health care compares with healthcare systems in our peer countries. We discussed how we are at or near bottom in most important measures of health care. We examined outcomes such as lifespan figures, infant mortality, lifespan after age 40, and deaths preventable by medical care. We perform terribly in all these metrics, and yet ours is the most expensive healthcare system on the planet. It is evident, therefore, that we are not getting our money's worth in medical care. This is an issue that affects all of us in some way, some of us directly by our own health care issues and others indirectly by adversely affecting friends and relatives. A recent survey has shown that 72% of Americans are entirely disgusted with our system of health care. They are fed up with wait times, prior authorizations, the cost of deductibles and co-pays, and completely exhausted by medical debts and bankruptcies resulting from those debts. We deserve something much better for our money, and we are going to get it. I also want to say that the purpose of these podcasts is not to hear myself talk. The goal is to tell the American people the truth about health care in the United States in a way that is understandable. In this way, we can together become a potent force for a new system, a system in which everyone will have access to health care as a matter of right, regardless of ability to pay. Let me say more about that. The underlying value or ethic which should form the foundation of a new and better system of health care is that everyone who needs medical care should get it regardless of ability to pay. This may sound simple, but our country has never come out and adopted that as a core value. Now we must unequivocally adopt that ethic as our goal, just like all other developed countries have done. On these podcasts, I unequivocally reject the idea that health care should be rationed by price and ability to pay. Instead, we should accept responsibility for caring for one another, which is a responsibility consistent with our religious and moral values. In other words, do we want all people to have equal access to quality care, or do we want the upper classes to have preferential access to health care, just as they have preferential access to other things? In this manifesto, we say health care is different from other things. It is not a luxury. It is a necessity. 
and due to us as a matter of right, not privilege. The system we need to establish and that we are going to insist on must be fundamentally egalitarian. Everybody who needs medical care must be able to get it. This must be the ethical foundation of a new system. But to get this new system, we must be well armed with policy arguments. And that's what we are doing in these Healthcare Manifesto podcasts, beginning with knowledge of how we got to our present system. Well, today we are going to look deeper into the cost of healthcare in the United States. As we have indicated, our healthcare costs are highest in the world, far higher than in our peer countries. In 2016, we spent $3.4 trillion, or 18.1% of U.S. gross national product, on health care, and that number is expected to reach 20% by 2025. No other country spends anything like this. Now let's look at what's driving these high costs. There are two primary drivers. First, we have very high prices. And second, we have exorbitant administrative costs. Let's look at prices first. In 2017, per capita health care spending in the United States was $10,209, nearly double what is spent in other developed countries similar to ours. Well, how do we explain these high expenditures? The late Professor Reinhardt of Princeton University studied several factors. Reinhardt was an economist and a giant in the health policy field. Reinhardt concluded that it's the prices of health services that drive our high expenditures on health care. He published a now famous paper in 2003 called, quote, It's the price is stupid. Why the United States is so different from other countries, end quote. Healthcare prices in the United States tend to be twice as high as those in other countries for similar products or services. This is a form of income distribution. In short, the high prices distribute money to the providers of health care and away from the consumers. Let's not forget that point when we start considering what's fair. I want to make an important point here. Let's look for a moment at total health care costs for a family with private, employer-provided health insurance with a PPO-type plan, and it is this type of plan which is considered good insurance in the United States, apart from government-provided insurance. Well, the total cost of health care under this plan consists of the employer's contribution, the employee's contribution, and the family's out-of-pocket expenses. We see that from 2001 to 2017, the cost increased from approximately $8,500 per family to over $27,000 per family. I stress this because it means that the private insurance market has done absolutely a terrible job controlling health care costs. Now let's look at one well-known example of uncontrollable prices. I'm referring to drug prices and the drug distribution system. It is no secret that we pay much more for drugs in the United States 
than do citizens of other countries. Why? The reason is quite simple. It is because drug companies just raise the prices of drugs at will. Even prices of generic drugs. Who's stopping them? There aren't any laws in this country against them doing that. We don't have price controls. When laws to curb drug prices have been passed, they have been successfully challenged as unconstitutionally vague and struck down. The drug companies defend their prices because they say they have to deal with a very complicated drug distribution system. The Center for Health Policy and Economics at the University of Southern California published a white paper in 2017 which demonstrated that drugs that cost $17 to produce, for example, will cost patients $100. Of this $100, a good portion goes to pharmacy benefit managers and all the in-between players. And many of those dollars are used for marketing and administrative expenses. These pharmacy benefit managers are supposed to manage prescription drugs for health insurers. This includes negotiating prices with drug manufacturers and dealing with retail pharmacies and patients. It all doesn't work. It simply has added layers of complexity, each of which is consuming precious health care dollars. Now let's talk about administrative cost. This is the other factor besides high prices that is responsible for the high cost of medical care. Before Obamacare, we were spending 25 to 30% of our total health care spending on administrative cost. No other country spent anything like that on administrative cost. Obamacare tried to put some limits on these expenses, but those limits are full of loopholes. The expenditures on administrative cost is due to our complicated and incomprehensible health insurance system. Other countries have simple, government-sponsored social insurance plans that have uniform fee schedules and rules. Compare that to the United States, where we have hundreds, if not thousands, of complex insurance schemes that differ based on demographic, socioeconomic status, and employment status. Do you realize that there are now more administrative personnel than clinicians in our healthcare system? This was documented in a study published in the Harvard Business Review in 2012. The number of workers in the U.S. healthcare system grew by nearly 75%, but Nearly 95% of this growth was non-doctor workers. Actually, 10 of 16 of the non-doctor workers were purely administrative and management staff. That is, staff that is not involved in delivering patient care. The administrative cost of hospitals defies comprehension. These days, in the United States, you are far more likely to run into a billing clerk than a doctor when you visit a hospital. For example, Duke University's Medical Center has 957 beds and has 1,600 billing clerks. Now, as to physicians, it is hard to believe, but it's true, and I experienced this myself as a doctor, American physicians are spending almost $83,000 per year 
interacting with insurance companies. And that is almost four times as much as physicians in Canada spend. The nursing staffs and medical assistants spend about 21 hours a week dealing with insurance companies. That's 10 times what's spent in Canada. And this is only a part of the story with doctors and hospitals. They hire billing experts to upcode their bills to the maximum allowable under the law, and then some. These medical billing experts, rather you might call them coding specialists, as they call themselves, make up a big industry. We're all paying for all of this nonsense. In terms of administrative cost, we haven't even talked about patients. Nobody even seems to care about the amount of time consumers of health insurance spend trying to choose a policy, trying to understand the policy, trying to figure out why their claims were denied, trying to figure out incomprehensible bills, or trying to understand why their bills are so high when they have insurance. It's all a huge waste of time. We all must join together and insist that this nonsense stop. No other modern, developed country would tolerate all of this expense. The citizens of other countries look at us like we're crazy when they hear about these expenses. And they're right. We are crazy for tolerating it. Let me just say a word about public versus private insurance. We're going to be spending a lot of time on public versus private insurance in coming podcasts. Suffice it to say at this point, in terms of administrative cost, private insurance administrative costs account for 15 to 30 percent of premium dollars, as opposed to about 3 percent for public insurance programs like Medicare. This is because the public insurance programs are not concerned with making a profit in order to satisfy investors or shareholders, nor do they have any marketing expenses. This concludes podcast number two. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us next time when we will be taking a deep dive into the history of health insurance in the United States. <music>